Hi, I'm BJ, and this is the Arcane Alienist Podcast. It's day 20 of RPG a day, um, and I'm going to do something a little different. When I started RPG A Day episodes, I was a few days behind, so I doubled up on the topics, beginning with the one from the first day, till I got caught up, and I called those my catch-up episodes. And as a play on words, I put a ketchup bottle, <laughs> I called it ketchup, actually with a K, and put a ketchup bottle on the, the artwork for, for those episodes. Um, and then in the uh, Audio Dungeon Discord, Jason Connerly made a joke about something along the lines of, would the opposite of that be mustard? So I'm going to double up again and get a day ahead of the curve. So this will be an RPG A Day Mustard episode. So thanks, Jason, for the uh, the joke. Um, the topic for today, day 20, is foundation. And then tomorrow for day 21 is simplicity. So I will do, handle both of those topics. But first, I've got a couple calls from Joe Richter of the Hindsightless podcast. So let's take a listen to those. Yo, what up, BJ? Dude, every t- every time I hear you guys start talking about BX and OSD Initiative again, I'm just like, why do these guys say that Pathfinder is so crunchy? <laughs> that initiative seems so overly complicated. I I don't get it. The rest of that system and game seems super smooth, but the initiative just feels so incredibly clunky. Like You got to remember, okay, if I'm doing this action... I have to declare before we roll initiative. If I'm doing this other action, I don't have to. If I'm using this weapon, I go here. If I'm using this type of weapon, I go there. That just seems so much more complicated than roll a die. Okay, who gets the highest number? Cool, we go in descending order from there. I don't know. It's just something I've noticed. Anyway, man, great stuff. Peace out. Joe, you are absolutely right. It is... <laughs> If they're almost mirror images of each other. Initiative in Pathfinder and in uh, Modern Dungeons and Dragons is very simple. Uh, like you say, everybody rolls a d20, adds their initiative modifier, and then you just go down the list. Um, versus this more complicated um, initiative system from from the older editions. And I think in, in BX and OSE, we're still working so close to the origins of D&D. Uh, you know, it's just five or six years since original D&D, where it had just evolved right out of a war game. So we're still, I think it's, there's still the war game influence in there. So the initiative is kind of crunchy compared to just the simple now attack and, and see, see what happens of, of the actual combat. Um, but I think I think it goes smoothly once everybody's got it straight in their head and, and, and is used to it. But you're right, it is, it is, it's probably the more complicated part of the, uh, the game. Um, Although I will also say that in in OSE, uh, there's no action economy to speak of. You don't have a standard action and a bonus action and a reaction and a, um, you know, you don't have that kind of a thing. I mean, I mean, you just the the sequence of combat um, is the action economy. You know, an initiative is just one step. It's Declare retreats and spells, roll initiative, movement, missile fire, magic spells, melee attacks. 
And so, uh, it, and then the next side goes and goes through that list. And that seems crunchy, but that is the, effectively the action economy of basic Dungeons and Dragons, um, because you're just doing one thing. Um, you, you might move and do one thing or, or you might only get to move if you're doing a retreat and you might only get to cast a spell if you're casting a spell, but so that's where the declaring actions and going through the sequence comes in, I think. But yeah, I think it, if you wanted to strip that out and just put in a, a modern, we're all going to just make a dex check <laughs> for initiative and do that. Um, of course, the monsters don't have dexterity scores, so you'd have to give them a something. I would probably just rule that, you know, monsters have a, have a default initiative of, of, of zero. You know, they just roll with a zero and that's the number. If you've got a monster who should be quick by nature, say like a goblin or a kobold, and they're kind of quick and slippery. Um, or, a, you know, a feline type uh, monster. You, you might give them, you know, a bonus of some kind, but uh, it's pretty easy to change out. Right now, though, what I am trying to do, because cause this is our, my, I and my players, it's some of their first experience with, with BX, and, and some of us, it's been a long time since we played. We're trying to, and I say, knowing full well, I've house-ruled, you know, saving throws a little bit and a couple of other things and then tweak the classes. But, but I think it's for the, just the order of how you sort of do things once play go starts. I've tried to leave it as it is and let us kind of play as the way it intended. And then after we've got kind of a, a first story arc or campaign arc under our belt, we can start going as, is this what we want to do? Or would we rather just change this rule out for an easier one? So yeah, you're absolutely right. that It is complex, needlessly complex. It's a matter of perspective if you just want to get to the combat, probably so, but it does, it does force, and why I say that it, it maybe is sort of effectively the action economy of, of original or basic D&D is because it does, that's where the tactical decisions have to be made as opposed to, and I haven't played Pathfinder 2 and it's been a while since I played Pathfinder 1, but I know like in 5e, 4e, which are my more recent experiences with D&D, when your turn comes up on your initiative, then you've got to select among a number of options. Um, I know in Pathfinder 2.0, you basically got three ac- three actions to spend, but different things you want to do might cost one or two or three, and so you have to make a tactical decision about what to do with those things. Um, and it's the same thing in, sometimes in 5th in, um, edition D&D. You've got your move action, your, your standard action, and then depending on what you do with those actions, you might get a bonus action or something else you can do. Uh, and so you have to make a decision of how to piece those things together. You don't have to do that in BX. So that the, the tactical thinking comes up of I'm about to, we're about to roll initiative. Think about you know, what are you guys going to do, and and that's that's where the the tactical side comes in. Anyway, I appreciate that call. Good thoughts, Joe, and excellent points. And we got one more here from Joe. Hey, BJ, it's me again. You're talking about precise and concise writing and rpgs and stuff and i i would put forward uh the pathfinder first edition rule book as precise but not at all concise uh they used very legalistic language to make it pretty clear like how this works and how this works with that it's very precise that way but they can go on and on a little bit they tend to add in some fluff every now and then when they don't need to and yeah so precise really precise concise not at all pathfinder first edition rule book 
and probably true of the second edition rule book too. All right. Bye. Yeah, I think Joe, you're making another really excellent point. Um, <laughs> I've, you know, I've thumbed through the Pathfinder two book. I would love to get into a Pathfinder two game just to experience, experience it. Um, for myself as a player, I always like to play a game before I DM. Um, <laughs> but sometimes I don't get that luxury because I'm one of the one of those eternal DMs where I got a lot of people who like to play with me, but I'm all you know not not my, many of them want to DM. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the Pathfinder two book, you know, it's big enough that you could use it as a as a as a weapon. You know, if someone were to try to beat you up because you're a nerdy role player, you could probably bust their nose pretty good, crack their skull with that book. <laughs> um, but I know that's because it's, you know, basically where other systems might break that up into a player's book and a DM game master's book. It's all one win for Pathfinder. But um, yeah, I think uh, probably Pathfinder 1 owes that to most of it just being a whole... A, a, most of it is basically third edition Dungeons and Dragons, which is also oh concise and, and laid out and they use they very much used tried to use procedural terms to define everything, but sometimes it could get a little long and, and sometimes a little maybe sometimes a little overcomplicated, but um yeah, so so sometimes you can't be concise if there's a lot to convey, but you still need to be precise. Um and I guess it's a balance of, of, of those two. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> it is precise, but not concise. But uh, for the kind of rules they're dealing with, I don't know if it could be shorter. Um, you know, but it's really fun to compare and contrast all these different games. So thanks for the calls, Joe. Uh, everybody be sure and check out Joe's podcast, Hindsightless, also here on Anchor. And now we'll get on to the topic for the day. Okay, so we've got two prompts we're going to do today in order to get ahead for this RPG A Day Mustard episode. Uh, The first one is foundation, and the second one is simplicity. And I think there's a good intersection here. Uh, If you want to put these two things together and think about kind of a little bit what Joe was just talking about in his call of of precise versus concise. Um, The foundation of role-playing games, to me, are the rules. Uh, there are lots of things you need to play um, the game in terms of you need people. Uh, those people need to have some sort of uh, ability to get along and cooperate and communicate. You have to have trust, respect. Uh, there needs to be safety. Uh, what else have we talked about over the course of the month? Um, I think, you know, those sorts of the, the social aspect of the game, the, the, the social dynamic, the social contract, the social interaction of everyone at the table. Uh, you need the creativity, you need imagination in order to role play. Um, you need to pay attention to what's going on <laughs> so you can be involved and engaged. But none of that is, a, is really there without the rules. It is a role-playing game, and I think as many people have pointed out, there's two aspects to that. There's a role-playing, which you can do, and it's really not a game. You can just sit around and make up a story or play pretend with your friends. I do not, I do not mean play pretend in a pejorative sense at all. Um, 
you know, there are other ways of role playing just just for enjoyment, improv, acting, uh, improv theater. Um, you know, it, it, there's ways to do it, but but the game aspect, it's it's when you apply rules and structures to 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 what you're doing. So I, I do feel like the foundation of a role playing game is the rule set. Um, and uh, rule sets, and there's been a little bit of discussion as we've gone through yesterday's topic of theme. Uh, and I believe Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast, he either pointed this out in a call-in to, to, to somebody else's episode in the last day or two, or he may have mentioned it on, on, on his latest episode, and, I, and I'm getting it confused. But talking about, yeah, maybe it was on my podcast, I don't know, it's late, I'm tired, all my podcasts this month are starting to run together. But <laughs> anyway, but he, what he pointed out was that um, different rule sets, you can use any rule set, for any game, or maybe it was Joe that pointed this out. I, I'm sorry, guys. Joe, Jason, if, whichever one you said this, or maybe it was Carl. I don't know. Call me and let me know who it was. To speak up and claim your claim your uh, your fame there. But the idea is that the rule sets you can you, a good game master can take any role playing rule set and use it for multiple genres and multiple multiple themes. Technically, that's true. But it's a lot easier when the rule set you have has been designed to run the kinds of game you're trying to run. So that you can run a horror game in Dungeons and Dragons, but because it's a game geared towards heroic adventure, it kind of doesn't work. Now, older editions, maybe you can because particularly at early levels, when, when players are fragile, you can scare them. Maybe not actually terrify them, but you can... There's a threat there, you know. The monsters are monstrous, but as they get a little power under their belt um, and a little more savvy about how to survive, when they realize they've they're facing something they can't defeat, you know, it's time to run away. Um, it does become a game about. I say heroic adventure. You don't have to be heroes. You can be very mercenary in D anD D, and you don't have to be good guys. But it's an adventure game versus a horror game um, versus. Um, Call of Cthulhu, which is meant to be a horror game, uh, although it really kind of becomes a almost more of an Indiana Jones supernatural investigation game sometimes, depending on how you <laughs> how it's ran. But it is meant to explore horror as, as a topic, and you're playing ordinary everyday people who encounter unspeakable things, and, and it affects them. You can get shaken, you can get traumatized, you can be driven insane by by what you see there. So. Um, you can also strip down the rules. I know Call of Cthulhu is just based on another system, a D100 system that you could use for other genres. Um, maybe that's not the best example of, of a game being designed for one thing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about Call of Cthulhu. Um, but, you know, you, you get different games where, where their rules are designed for different purposes. Um, but that's the foundation of the game you want to play. If you think about the kind of game you want to play, you need to look at the rules, and do the rules get you to the kind of game that you want to play? Or do they not? Uh, I've talked about not on a podcast. I want to do a whole episode, and I may come back to this and do a more in-depth episode about the metagame of 
Dungeons and Dragons. Not not metagaming, but the metagame. When you play tabletop war games, people will talk about the local meta, the local metagame. And that is the awareness that we're all playing a game and you're, you're looking at what are the kind of strategies the other people who play in, in my group I play with or at the, the game store where I play or in the local tournaments. What kind of strategies are prevalent? Uh, what kind of uh, units and armies are people putting on the table? And that's the meta. And you, you look at the meta and you try to come up with strategies to succeed in that. Um, there is a meta meta game to D&D in, in the way where we're aware that we're playing a game where the, the point of D&D is your character goes on an adventure and survives long enough to the to the end that they can then advance. And that's really probably most role-playing games, whether it's a level up or whether it's in a, in a game that doesn't have levels, you're trying to you know enhance, increase the number of skills you have or improve the skills you do have, things like that. Um, but that's kind of the central meta game of a role-playing game. Most of well, most of the ones that involve adventure and and challenges and danger is to survive. And if you survive at the end, you you become more more competent, powerful character. Uh, but that changes depending on what the rules push you to do. So you know, original D and D and 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 uh, first edition backwards. Most of your experience comes from gold, and the monsters are just an obstacle. You get a little bit of XP for killing the monsters or defeating the monsters, but they're really just another obstacle to get to the treasure. It's the treasures that causes you to level up. Um, versus, you know, from second edition on, the, the the XP is mostly about defeating the monsters, and so the most expedient solution is just to kill the monsters and take their stuff. Because it's the killing the monsters that causes you to level up. Before, you could outwit the monsters, you could trick the monsters, you could lie to the monsters, you could negotiate with the monsters. They're an obstacle to the gold and other treasures. And it's up to you how you deal with that to get to the treasure. Um, and in fact, I think that's been an adjustment for some of the players, most, I think all, most of the players in, in, <laughs> in, the, in a, my, my current game is, is switching back to that style of I think I think it really hit everybody this this past session that nobody's leveled up yet because they just haven't bit the bullet and gone on a deep dive into to to any kind of dungeon. They kind of fooled around a little bit in, in some the goblin cave and then retreated, um, rightfully so, to avoid people getting killed. But but they've kind of didn't go right back in. They they kind of went back to town and regrouped and had some other stuff happen. So um, I, I think it's sinking in that that. That's going to be the key to leveling up, is to just get in there and get the treasure. And of course, you can still engage with the narrative, um, you know, the story that's going on, and, and enjoy that part too. But you're, that's got to kind of be a facade over what's going on in the background. The mechanic of, of what you're trying to do is get the money and get out with your life, <laughs> and everything else is just window dressing. Um, and so what the rules encourage is what the players are going to do. And if the GM adjusts the rules to encourage something different, the players will do something different. So I think it's important to think about the rules as the foundation for the game. Uh, now when I think of simplicity, which is, is the next topic um, related to those things, I think I, I have a preference for simple rules. Uh, I, I really like it. Um, 
I'm not opposed to some complexity or some crunch if it really enhances the experience. I, fourth edition D&D gets a bad rap. A lot of people didn't like it. I enjoyed fourth edition. I know that so much, so many things were a radical departure from the way we typically do Dungeons and Dragons and any other, any other edition before or after. Um, but it, it, it was a, in terms of the, the, the combat, it was, it was, a, it created a really good skirmish combat system that was a lot of fun to play. Um, cause it was tactically challenging, but not so challenging that you couldn't wrap your head around it. Um, so I enjoyed it for that. Um, and, and I am, as I've mentioned time and time again lately, I, I think my, my main trait as a player is, is that I am kind of a tactical, strategic player. So I enjoy that aspect of, of, of role-playing games. Um, but, you know, you can, get, <laughs> you can get overly complex with that. I mean, how much, how, you know, the, the more you try to simulate real combat or the more you try to make put more moving parts and more bells and whistles on tactical combat pretty soon you get a, a, a pretty unwieldy system and the more nodes there are in that in that the more cogs there are in that machine the more places it can break down because a rule gets interpreted or someone forgets to add a modifier to to a die roll because there's a specific condition at play right now and it gets really difficult and i think that Third edition D and D was particularly that way, with, with all the conditions and modifiers that you could stack up and apply it, and you know how many ongoing spells can one spellcaster have going at once, and it could be it could be to be really complicated, a lot of fun, but very complicated. Um, so I find myself really liking simplicity. One of the things I do appreciate about fifth edition is the rules are really kind of simple. Um, it's just the characters are really complex. The characters have so many abilities and options that kind of what slows things down. The actual core mechanic of roll a d20 and try to beat a target number, add your relevant ability score, and depending on the circumstances, you might have advantage or disadvantage. That's a really simple, elegant system. Um, but what complicated... And you could strip that out and put it into <laughs> probably... BXD and D if you wanted to, um, after a fashion, and it would it would work just fine, um, but it, it's it's the it's all the bells and whistles that complicate and make fifth edition more of a more of a larger game to manage to play and to to, to referee as a as a DM uh, versus something like BX. Despite what we just talked with Joe about about the initiative being a little bit crunchy, you know things things move swiftly and it just the rules are lighter and simpler to use. And I find myself enjoying um, simpler rule systems and always thinking, is there a way to simplify this and speed it up and just make it easier so we can just enjoy the play and that we don't have to stop and talk for 10 minutes about how to apply a rule in a given context because it's just, it's smooth and it's simple and it's straightforward. Um, which I don't know if it's possible because the more simplified the rules you make the more rulings that the game master has to make and those are always you know a little bit subjective so so that i guess that's where i stand <laughs> on there i wonder what everybody else thinks uh the rules are the foundation of the game the rules will dictate what the meta game is uh which is is what is the basic thing that drives the game forward behind the scenes it, it's it's the 
the engine underneath the the, the veneer of, of the setting and the theme and the tone and the role-playing aspects and the, and the unfolding story and narrative that's going on. Um, and that, you know, simple, all things being equal, simple rules are better. If, if a simple rule can accomplish the same thing that a more complex rule can, go with the simple rule. And I think at some point, I'm probably going to sit down and <laughs> take the rules I like from a few different editions. I've already started doing that with the game I'm running now. And I think probably the system I would turn out would just be simple strive for simplicity but with enough there's still enough dynamic stuff going on to make make it interesting and unpredictable and and engaging so um but i guess that's the that's the dream of every game designer whether you're a professional game designer or you're just a an amateur hobbyist like me so well there we go simple and foundation foundation and simple um a simple foundation. There we go. That, that's what I'm striving for. A simple foundation <laughs> for the rules for role-playing games. Um, well, let me know what you guys think. If you have any thoughts on that, I'd, li- I'd like to hear from, from people. So um, with that, I'm going to sign off. And that's it for this episode of The Arcane Alienist. I want to thank Dave Bone for the cover art that I use for the episodes, check out ironseer.com. And the music is Come and Get It by Scott Holmes Music. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, Give me a call sometime through the Anchor app or at the Anchor website. And I'll be back in the future with another episode.